it's that time of year again. Will any of the bands that we like get nominated and get in? Who the hell is Fela Kuti? Did either of us learn more about Todd Rundgren in the past year? It's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are doing, once again, the Hall of Fame. It seems like we do two Hall of Fame episodes. One when the nominations come out, and then a second one when the bands that we wanted to get in usually don't get in. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a uh, second one when the bands that uh, we want get in. And I'm like, oh, that's why we haven't done any follow-up episodes, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we do, we do the results in like another episode. Yeah, usually it's not enough to sustain a whole episode since it's like maybe one band and maybe yeah. one other that we kind of thought might could get in or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're... We're we're not so out of ideas that we're down to like the welcome to the Whitney Houston episode of the Metal Shop podcast. <laughs> exactly. Although although we will be talking about her aunt today. Oh, okay. Dion Warwick is her aunt. She's nominated. Oh, I forgot that 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 she's related to Dion Warwick. Yeah, I went I went and looked on the thing just like you did and uh, looked at what the current voting is, and so I wrote down my list that way. And we were kind of surprised to see who's leading the voting right now. Yeah, it's uh, Fela Kuti. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> um, Fela Kuti? But yeah, he's, uh, he's Nigerian. He's a pioneer of the Afrobeat movement, which was uh, combining African beats with like funk and jazz. And so those are the reasons that we haven't really heard of him, probably, because we're not, like, real into Afrobeat.
for uh, that, but the uh, Nigeria seems to be showing up for him. He's leading the uh, voting right now by a lot. So even though we haven't heard of him, um, he might uh, he might do good on this on this voting part. But from what we've noticed so far, what I've noticed so far, the voting doesn't seem to have a lot to do with who actually gets in and who doesn't. No, it's just a way to feel like you contributed. But I mean, it's basically like, yeah, the uh, it's like the Nigerian scammers all decided to jump on and <laughs> get their dude in. Like now the, here's the thing. Like, I've never heard of this guy before. Like, obviously, Afrobeat is not in our wheelhouse. So right. this guy sounds like he's super big in that that scene. And I don't want to feel like I'm like a racist for not knowing him. Like, yeah, yeah, you've ever seen those bands that get real big, and it's almost like if you don't like mm-hmm. the roots, you're a racist now or some shit. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally, totally. You know, I hear that too. But if this was like, you know, some um, pioneer of Icelandic music or some shit like that, I wouldn't know that either. Yeah, you know who Bjork is, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know who she is. Again, I don't know it. Like, I don't know any. I just know that chick was like nuts and seemed nuts to me. Yeah, that's all I could really tell about her. Really, Bjork. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so, Fela Kuti. Everything that I'm going by with the Hall of Fame, I'm gonna try to put their own standards back on themselves. So I'm gonna go by like what they usually do, and what they usually do is there are some few obscure people that get in from time to time, but not usually. So I'm going to say Fela Kuti might be waiting a little while, or he could be one of those dudes that gets in that, that we haven't heard of. Because that pretty much happens, like, every time. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's like one of those, like, you know, like the uh, originator's wing or something. I mean, Kraftwerk didn't get in last year, right? I can't remember right. anymore. And they were the, the kind of... obscure but you know they kind of started a movement um, right right type of band or group or whatever you'd call it but right um, yeah so that could totally be a thing for sure so good luck to fella cootie and see if he gets in on this one um number two in the voting right now is tina turner she gets in now yeah, you know, Tina Turner's already in. Yeah. Like, she, her and Ike are already in. So, she's already in. And in a way, I don't know, like, it's kind of not fair to the, some of the other ones. Who, like, if you're, like, the last, uh, if you were the seventh person to get in, and then, but Tina Turner got in, and she's already in, you're like, what the fuck? You know, she's already in, and she took my spot, but... I guess if you're at seventh, you don't have much to complain about anyway. But yeah, Tina Turner's already in uh, with Ike. She's got, she's one of uh, very few people that has a hundred million albums sold. So that's like fucking, you know, insane. Uh, 12 Grammys on whether or not, you know, like her later shit was rock and roll. She did, she opened for the Stones on her 81, on their 81 tour. So I guess that's an endorsement of your rock and roll, you know. So, yeah, I'm guessing Tina probably gets in again. They like the Grammys, you know, she's got 12. 
They like, you know, when you're an originator and with Ike, she was. So, yeah, I would say Tina Turner's got a pretty good chance. Yeah, it's hard to argue against it, you know, mm-hmm. especially like you said, she's already in with Ike. But, I mean, she's, uh, you know, she's a much bigger name as a solo star than she was with, you know, with Ike. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a trip that um, she hadn't been nominated as a solo star sooner. Right. I guess it was one of those things where they're like, well, she's in with Ike. Mm-hmm. But when they're doing that, they're inducting her and Ike. They're inducting that era, those albums, that right. specific music. And then it's like she has this massive body of work after she left him that, you know, like you said, right. she sold 100 million albums. She's got 12 Grammys. She's done everything. So you can't really argue against it. You know, I'm not the fact that, you know, there are some Tina Turner songs I enjoy, you know, that kind of says sure. something uh, about her, you know, her impact. And, you know, she's a, you know, she had a, her own biopic with What's Love Got to Do With It. Yeah. That was a gnarly movie. That was like watching like two hours of I just beat the shit out of Tina Turner, dude. Like, uh, for sure. <laughs> I'm like, for sure. I was like, fuck, dude. Like, yeah. I, I was old school. What was funny about that, it's not funny, funny, but I remember Henry Rollins doing one of his kind of like, you know how he do that stand up slash spoken word shit? Mm-hmm. He was, he had a story about when he met Ike Turner. And he was like, he felt bad because like, Nobody really wanted to talk to Ike in this, like, situation. Mm-hmm. So he talked to him, and he's like, well, I talked to Ike about music. He's like, because what the, what the fuck else am I supposed to talk to him about? It's like, hey, uh, when you uh, knock Tina Turner out when she got out of the shower, did you work the body first, or you go straight for the head? Like, right. you know. Right. So it's like, yeah, you just talk to him about music and nothing else, because it's like everybody knows he's the the most famous wife beater in the world. Yeah. Ike Turner is one of the, like one of the very few who, who, uh, ha- it's been put on him inventor of rock and roll type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, him and Chuck Berry and little Richard and dudes like that. And the other dudes on that list, along with Ike also had their trouble that they got into misogynistic shit. 
you know, putting cameras in the bathrooms of their restaurant, weird shit, you know, yeah. that they did, but they didn't beat up like one of the most famous ladies in music for however many years. And yeah. then, you know, everything, uh, everybody basically like everything that came out was against him, you know? So nobody was talking about, oh, Tina Turner, fucking bitch, she deserved it. Or any kind of shit like that. It was just like, yeah. this fucking Everybody guy. Everybody likes Tina. Like, there's been a couple of people that are like, I don't know, Rihanna seems like she's mouthy. <laughs> to yeah, about that Chris exactly. Brown incident. Which is fucked up, but... Yeah, you know, of course it is. I don't want to say I'm the... The Metal Shop podcast is against beating up women. We need to... Yes. We need to absolutely. put that in there again. I don't want to sound like we're in favor of it. But... <laughs> yeah. From a certain time to a certain time, it was a rock star type of thing to do, I guess. You know? Yeah. And some of them old dudes were about it. Ike was about it. And, uh, and Tina got away from it. And, you know, and she went on to fucking to blow doors on all of the sales records while fucking Ike was on the fucking people's court trying to get fucking five grand back from somebody that fucking screwed him on something. So yeah, I guess she won. Yeah, she won. She won for sure. The next ones who I think will probably get in because I've predicted it in the past is Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters are next in the voting. And Dave Grohl is already in also with Nirvana. So it's another one of those where it's kind of a... I mean, obviously there's other dudes in the band, but he's the leader of the band. And so it's kind of a lower pressure where they, they might not need to put him in first ballot because he's already in... Or I don't know. But, like I said before, Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters seem very Rock and Roll Hall of Fame friendly. You know, they're fully rock. They've got some hits. They've got, you know, platinum albums. They do big tours. You know, um, other other uh, musicians want to, like, jam with them and stuff. They're very, um, yeah, they're very rock and roll. Yeah, and Dave Grohl has this thing going for him where, like, people treat him like he's, like, the uh, quintessential rock and roll guy now. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, oh, Dave is, like, the true, closest thing we have to, like, a true rock star anymore. He's just Mm -hmm. about it. And like you said, he's already in with Nirvana, but this is his band. This is, like, Mm -hmm. when Nirvana got in, it's mostly on the strength of Kurt Cobain. Right. Um, not that Dave and Chris um, didn't have their contributions, but mm-hmm. Kurt is the driving force of that band. Mm-hmm. He was the spirit of that band. And then Dave, you know, after the fact, the fact that he was able to be the drummer in one of the biggest bands of the early 90s mm-hmm. and managed to pivot that into being the lead singer and rhythm guitarist of like one of the biggest bands of the late 90s and and onward that's pretty impressive and you know um i'm not a big fan of the foo fighters more current work Mm -hmm. um their first two albums i really really loved in high school you know that was Mm -hmm. one of the bands that got big like uh you know the first foo fighters album came out i think when i was maybe a freshman Mm -hmm. and like it was just people were playing that all the time and that was the one that was the one album that dave wrote um completely alone so he did the whole like wrote everything he played everything on the album and then he hired a band Mm -hmm. uh, to play the shit because he can't you know tour by himself 
Right. And after that, he kept that that lineup for a little while. Pretty much with the second album, he had a fairly locked in lineup for a few years there. But uh... Like you said, as far as um, somebody doing that, being a drummer in in a huge band and then going off to be, I can't think of another time that it's even happened like that. So yeah, it's pretty impressive for sure. Well, I mean, you got uh, you got Phil Collins, you know, who is drumming and then singing in Genesis and then right going solo after that. Right. Yeah, but he was a singer already. So yeah, but he was he was uh, just the drummer right. when uh, what's his face the first dude left yeah Peter Gabriel yeah when Peter Gabriel left Genesis Phil was just the drummer right. and then he stepped up to be the singer in the band slash drummer yeah that was a pretty big move too yeah yeah so I so there's slight precedent and the funny thing is is Dave Grohl like uh, a little bit after you know things were dying down after Kurt Cobain's death. He played on, like, Saturday Night Live with uh, Tom Petty. So he was, like, their sit-in drummer for the Heartbreakers or for that show. Oh, wow. He almost got the gig to play with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as their drummer. And then I've heard different stories. I've heard the story that Tom Petty offered it and Dave Grohl declined it and was like, I think I really want to run with my solo project. Mm-hmm. And then I've also heard the story that Tom Petty was just like, hey, the offer is here if you want it, but I think you should, I think you should focus on your music, because mm-hmm. it's, because the shit I've heard, because I guess he, he had shown them some of the stuff, or the shit I've heard is really good. Yeah. And some of those songs that ended up on that first Foo Fighters album were songs that Dave had wrote when he was in Nirvana, mm-hmm. 
and he wanted to pitch those for the band. Like, hey, maybe I could sing a couple songs right. in the band. Because they had one that they recorded as Nirvana with him doing vocals that they didn't put on a record. Mm. And I guess Kurt was like, these songs are great, but these need to be your songs type of thing. Right. So. Right. Oh, another thing on, on uh, Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl specifically. I don't know if I ever sent you the documentary Sound City. It's um, it's basically about a uh, a soundboard that was in the original studio at Sound City, and it's just this badass soundboard that fucking that a lot of classic albums were made um, on. Um, the first Nirvana album was made on it. Holy Diver was made on it. There's a bunch of badass records that were made on this one certain soundboard, and you know with digital and everything coming up. The place went out of business, and so uh, Dave Grohl stepped in and bought the soundboard, and now has it in his own studio. But the documentary is called Sound City, and it's badass because it like talks to all these people that recorded in this studio, which was really kind of like a shithole studio. It wasn't like a badass state-of-the-art studio. It just had this crazy board. And um, Fleetwood Mac recorded there, bunch of fucking bands. So if you get a chance to check it out, I'll send it to you. But if you get a chance, everybody, to check that out, Sound City is a badass documentary on um, Dave Grohl and his new mixing board. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Next on the list is the one we want to talk about. Yes. <laughs> Iron Maiden is next on the list. And they're also going to deal with the fact that they're one of those bands who certain members of the band have gone on record saying they don't give a fuck about this. They couldn't care less about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Mausoleum, this and that. You know, um, I guess everybody's got their own way of talking shit about it when they do, but Bruce laid into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame pretty good. Yeah, well, maybe he'll change his tune now that they nominated him. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's see what he says now that he's a nominee. But um, Iron Maiden, here's an interesting one. This is the first time I've seen an, an, a uh, nomination where the controversy is coming from what members of the band have been nominated and not what members of the band have been left out. Because mm -hmm. last year, it was all about when uh, Motorhead got nominated and then they, people raised hell that it was only the classic lineup. Well, this time around, it's everybody but Blaze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's, I've seen people go on like, it's like, even you... Being like, the fuck is Dennis Stratton getting nominated right. for? Right, <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was somebody on my timeline who said that they didn't think Dennis Stratton should get in. Uh, and, and probably he shouldn't because he really wasn't like all that instrumental in, in, the, first, um, in the first incarnation of the band or whatever. But he seems like a really cool guy to me, like... I like him in the interviews that they always do on the history of Maiden, you know. He's still there, you know. You could tell he's put his um, his free drinks for life card to good use. You know, he's sitting there <laughs> always having a pint when uh, when he's getting interviewed. And he also, he tried to do, he tried to do it. He tried to uh, do other bands with Diano, other bands. He was in Praying Mantis for a while. So he tried to make it. He could still play. You know, I see him strap up and shred still. So, you know, I like Dennis Stratton, man. He's, he seems like a good dude. And 
and it'll be it'll be cool for him if he gets in and and of course I'm I'm a hundred percent for giving Paul Diano a free plane ticket to anywhere and letting him be on any kind of show of any type. So yeah, that's cool. You know what's funny is uh, you know the, the one thing um, kind of not in Dennis Stratton's favor is that fucking record he did with Paul Diano with that goofy ass cover oh, yeah. uh, to it that they used on two albums straight. It had the same fucking cover art. And like we said, you looked at it and like it looks like it's it looks like it's supposed to be some Monty Python <laughs> shit. Like <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was pretty That'll bad. come up if we ever do it's gonna be tough to do a a, a visually based podcast episode, but if we ever do that a uh, worst uh metal album covers that's got to be in the fucking running oh yeah it's, for sure it's fucking bad yeah yeah that was bad <laughs> and all them naked babies or naked children albums just get one fucking entry in that too, yeah for sure that comes up. yeah for sure so um as far as uh whether or not maiden deserves it or by the usual rock and roll hall of fame standards do they deserve it i would say that they certainly do because um, one of the things that it seems to me that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, uh, cares about is like name recognition. And Iron Maiden has huge name recognition. You know, they basically represent a genre. They, um, you know, they have multiple platinum albums, multiple so- sold out tours. You know, they're iconic to the set, to the extent that people who don't like them or really know them wear their shirts. You know, that's kind of another level where you're kind of with like Iron Maiden and Metallica and Slayer where you're so much, you you represent a thing so much, people will wear your shit going, oh, people will know I'm heavy metal if I wear this, you know? Yeah, I think that, I think that goes to, that just go like speaks to uh, how great of a mascot Eddie is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure that too. But um, the thing with Maiden, I, obviously, I think they deserve it like a million percent. It'd be a pretty fucking, be a big fucking plot twist if I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of nowhere, right? I feel like I have this thing where I feel like there should be like a chronological order to the way bands get in. But Metallica got in before all these dudes, right? So I guess that doesn't matter anyway. But to me. Black Sabbath being like the first real metal band getting in made sense. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like, oh, well, Metallica ended up getting in, but it should have, I feel like it should have been like Priest next, mm-hmm. then Maiden, mm-hmm. then Metallica. But that's just me being like really anal about right. it. If Priest isn't going to get in, I hope one of these fuckers gets in. Like, at least we don't have like a situation with like Priest and Maiden splitting the votes or anything like that. But. Yeah, you know, I'm sure that all those guys in those bands would have liked it if it happened that way also, you know? Like if like if the dudes in Maiden were like, oh shit, well Priest just got in, we're next, you know? And if the dudes in Metallica were like, well shit, well now Priest and Maiden are in, so we're the next generation, we should get in. Yeah, that would make total sense that, that it um, would work that way. But I kind of think, I kind of think that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is almost like the new fan a kind of like a new fan of metal where they're like oh okay well we like this so i guess that means we like heavy metal so 
now we're now we'll start looking back and see what we missed you know yeah yeah totally after the iron maiden um carol king is nominated and i really did not like know who carol king was right off the top of my head so i went and looked back at who she is and man she wrote all the songs dude you know like and again whether or not it's rock and roll to me it seems more like easy listening or whatever but you know it doesn't seem to matter so she's definitely got a lot of songs you've got a friend i feel the earth move so far away now and forever something in the way she moves she wrote all these fucking songs and even though like a lot of other people recorded them and made them like probably more famous than her versions of them she's she's probably gonna get in based on just you know these songs she's got a shitload of Grammys. She got a lifetime Grammy achievement award. So that's yeah, she's she's a hell of a writer. She's got a good chance of getting in there. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time. There's something wrong here. That sure yeah i mean you got you know when you got songs that the beatles have covered and she wrote the locomotion yeah which everybody has heard a version of that over the years that one that's just a song that keeps coming back for some right it is (laughs) yeah it's Um, it's a trip you know she wrote natural woman for aretha franklin like yeah no she's definitely uh she's not in that like that genre that i'm really into but i mean She's written so much shit for so many people mm-hmm. and everything, so it's you can't help but think like, oh, she's going in, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I can't think of. There's probably been too many awards that she's been up for that she didn't win. So yeah, all right. Next on the list is the Go Go's. Now, <laughs> okay, yeah. Now for me, <laughs> I think the Go Go's are gonna get in. And the reason that I think that is because they were kind of on the cutting edge of things. They started off as more of a punk band, actually called the Misfits at one point. That makes them interesting. They were one of the first girl bands, so that makes them interesting. They had three platinum albums, their first three albums, platinum albums, number one singles. I think they kind of represent an era. They were uh, early on the MTV thing. I think between all of those things that 
they'll get in. Whether or not they should, based on those albums, I don't know. But I think that they hit a lot of the things that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame looks for. You know, you convinced me because at first I like you heard my response. Yeah. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, they're they're fine. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly not my thing. Right. Um, when I hear the Go Go's, I always want to lump them in with band like girl groups like the Bengals and shit like right. that. Right. But I mean, the Go Go's had a little more meat to them, and they had a little more staying power. I remember them getting kind of. I don't know if I'd call them big. They were starting to get a lot attention again in like the nineties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as like kind of like when people were first starting to get kind of nostalgic for the 80s mm-hmm. the go-go's kind of got another resurgence and uh i mean they're all pretty fine uh, yeah <laughs> that's i'm sure that's not what the the rock and roll hall of fame is looking for right right <laughs> but it's funny too because i remember in the 90s being like damn these chicks in the go-go's are still really cute and they're probably all just in like their 30s yeah at that point you know <laughs> But I'm like, yeah, these, the old gals still got it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it also helped them that their their documentary just came out, like on Showtime, I think, last year. So like you said, this might be a kind of a high time for them. Bands from the 70s and the 80s, I've noticed, they go through, and sometimes it's not because of anything they do. It's just, um, it's just what is. They go through like cycles where they're like relevant and then they don't seem relevant again. And then they're relevant like Foreigner, for example. One time Foreigner played, you know how they at Qualcomm, they had like before the Charger games, obviously everybody tailgated. But then they had like that organized tailgate where you could you could go and they had like blow up, um, you know, like bouncy houses and shit like that for the kids and shit. And they had like a band play or some shit. I saw a foreigner play there in the Qualcomm parking lot, you know, I don't know, probably like 10 years ago. And then a few years after that, they had like another resurgence and then they were playing at the sports arena again. So it was like, I really don't even know how it works, but some bands do have a lot of just, hey, you know what? We're hot right now. Our name's out there right now. We could totally do a tour right now. And then maybe in five years, not so much. I don't know. It's weird how that works. Yeah. 
I mean, the Go-Go's, apparently they're still an active band. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like, they haven't put out a record since 2001, right. but uh, they're still doing shit. Yeah, also, Belinda Carlisle had her solo career, and she did, she had some, some uh, big hits, too, on that one. Yeah. So, the next band is Rage Against the Machine. Exactly the opposite of the Go-Go's. I don't think that they hit too many of the things that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is looking for. I think they may be a little too controversial. I think they might have not enough singles, not enough um, of a well-defined genre, only really three uh, relevant albums, although that doesn't seem to be relevant for other bands. I think it is when they don't really want you that much. Um, they've already been nominated twice and didn't get in. So, I don't know. Maybe th- either strike three or third time's the charm for Rage. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when you talk about, like, the three, uh, um, three relevant albums. I mean, the Go-Go's only have three relevant albums. Right, right. I mean, they they only have four albums in total. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But, I mean, Rage also, they really only have those three albums. Uh, I don't really count, like, the 
the cover album yeah, me that they did. So it's really just those three records and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fucking frustrating with Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Like, Very much for me. Yeah. It's like there's... I just feel like like they keep getting back together and they don't fucking do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this time it was the COVID thing. And that's and that's actually why I like really hope they do get in cuz I would love to see them play. You know, I mean, fucking A. And really for that, I mean, there's only really one guy to blame for that, Zach, you know. Everybody else has been in the band consistently with the other guys except for Zach for all this whole time. So it yeah. really is just him that he doesn't seem to want to do much. But hey, you know, that's his that's his prerogative. You know, he uh, maybe he was like, hey, you know what? I just want to make three kick ass albums and be set. And then he did that. So, you know, yeah, it's frustrating, though, because it's like, you know, yeah, the other dudes. Yeah, they've been a band this whole time. They they were audio slave, mm-hmm. you know, um, for however many years mm-hmm. um then they have the the prophets of rage yep and shit so they've been they've been doing shit mm-hmm. this entire time but they like they'll reunite and it'll be like a one one night only thing yeah at like coachella or some shit right. or now it's like oh they're gonna do a do like a reunion tour then COVID happened but it seemed like it was going to be too expensive for me to go see him anyway it sure did they weren't going to come <laughs> here know? it was going to be a limited tour you know whatever eh, I mean the closest show to us was going to be San Francisco I think Yeah. so yeah no no but anyway uh, I do hope they get in Yeah, I think they may just be too controversial because I don't know if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wants to give <laughs> Zach De La Roca <laughs> A live mic. Right. Yeah. At their ceremony. Right. They might not want to have the mounted police outside either. That's what they had when, when I saw them at San Diego State. Was we, we got outside yeah. and surrounded by mounted police, the whole fucking uh, arena. So, yeah. That's true, man. That's something to think about. All right. Next on the list, Miss Dion Warwick. Man, growing up. You could not escape Dionne Warwick, dude. Her songs were on 24-7. She has 56 top 100 songs and 12 top 10 songs. Like I say, to me, kind of more easy listening than rock, but, you know, whatever. She's got Whitney's already in. That's her, her niece. So she needs to keep it all in the family and get in. I think Dionne Warwick gets in. Yeah. 
I think so, too. Now, here's the thing with me. Whereas for you, growing up, Dionne Warwick was everywhere. Mm. She had all the hits, mm. you know, in the, you know, the 70s and onward and shit like that. Mm. For me, when I think of Dionne Warwick, I think of the Psychic Friends Network. Because <laughs> that's the shit she was doing in the 90s, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> And I'm like, this chick used to be good. She used to sing, and she had all these hits. Like you wouldn't know it if you, if you're a kid growing up in the '90s. It was, mm-hmm. I'm Dionne Warwick, and this is the Psychic Friends Network commercials. Like, so that takes a little of the shine off for me. Yeah, that is like you know, yeah. Um, and see, she didn't write those songs, which is why Carol King is not on the Psychic Friends Network. Because she wrote the fucking song, so she's good. But yeah, man, I mean, you know, and and that really does get to be a dividing line within some bands and within some, you know, groups is who writes the songs, who gets the credits. You know, I I need three songs per album. I need fucking this many. I need whatever, you know. I'm not getting enough songs. And yeah, man, once once the money starts rolling in and you find out that this dude, you know, has enough for three houses and you got to struggle to make your house payment, that's going to cause friction within the fucking band, which is why I always like, you know, bands like Sabbath, who when they first started, busted everything four ways. All the writing credits, all the money, everything. And then you find out how to do it wrong, like the future of Sabbath, where, yeah. you know, business managers get involved and suddenly your drummer doesn't want to play because he doesn't like the fucking look of the check. It feels like it's insulting, you know, because he used to get an equal cut like you agreed from the get-go. So, yeah, man, definitely uh, got to write songs. You got to write songs. Or, in the case, put it this way, if Dion Warwick had Sharon Osbourne as a manager, she would have got a writing credit on those songs. <laughs> Period. <laughs> it would have been and Dionne Warwick. Because that's the way fucking... I, I don't say I hope she gets in. It, it's fine if she gets in. I'm not really looking forward to watching her sing or anything like that. But, you know, whatever. It, I, she certainly has a body of work that deserves it. Yeah. All right. Next on the list is Shaka Khan, which is famous for that song, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. Yeah. No, but... Uh, you know, she didn't get in last year with... They they changed it up. Last year, it was Rufus with Shaka Khan. Now, it's just Shaka Khan, so... Right. And, you know, Rufus actually had more hits than Shaka Khan has, but... Again, with the name recognition or whatever, I would say Shaka Khan's better known than Rufus is. So, if you put it all together between the band and solo, she's got 10 Grammys. I would say she's got the name recognition. And the funniest thing that I saw on Wikipedia is that her birth name is Yvette Marie Stevens. But she changed her name to... Shaka Adune Adufe Yemoja Hohardi Karifi Khan. So that is the full name of Shaka Khan. And uh, yeah, man, she put some thought into that. I think <laughs> I'd like to know what it all means. 
I'm sure that all means some shit in like something. Yeah, totally. Uh, like that that had been during that like back to Africa movement where you know dudes were all you know when people were all changing their names yeah. or like you got guys like Malcolm X just right. like no the like the last name is my slave name so Yeah. That that had been during that time period where she changed her name. Yeah. Uh that's a fucking mouthful. Yeah, she man. went that's... deep. She went seven <laughs> names. Yeah, that's like a Fiona album, a Fiona Apple <laughs> album title. Like, <laughs> but you know, good for her if she can even remember all that shit. Yeah, yeah. If that was my full ass name, I wouldn't remember that whole thing. Yeah, like. no, no. That was like when they when they asked uh, Antonio Cromartie if he could name all his kids, <laughs> and he just looked puzzled. Should have fucking George Foreman did. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Shaka Khan nominated twice with Rufus in, in uh, 2017 and 2011 and didn't get in. Maybe on her own. It'll be, uh, I guess it's going to, I guess it's going to come down to the competition too, because only six get in. So, mm-hmm. and the competition seems pretty, uh, pretty good on this one. So we'll see about Shaka Khan. Um, if she doesn't get in. I think she's going to be bummed out because she's like, fuck it, Rufus couldn't get in twice. Now I can't get in solo. So they just don't want us in this motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Chaka Khan. Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Let me rock it. Let me rock it. Chaka Khan. Let me rock it. That's all I want to do. Chaka Khan. Let me rock it. Let me rock it. Chaka Khan. Let me rock it. Let me feel for you. Chaka Khan. What you tell me? What you want to do? Do you feel for me the way I feel for you? Chaka Khan. Let me tell you what I want to do. I want to love you. want to hug you. want to squeeze you too. And let me take it in my arms. Let me feel you with my charm, Chaka. Because you know that I'm the one to keep you warm, Chaka. I make it more than just a physical dream. I want to rock you, Chaka, baby. Because you make me want to scream. Let me rock it. Rock it. Next band on the list is Devo. What do you think? What do you know about Devo? Uh, I mean, uh, we all know the song Whip It. Um, they're, you know, they're they're good for what they are. I had a lot. I had some friends in high school that were really into mm-hmm. them because they're like kind of the the weirdos, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so you get they they really appear to like the weirdo artsy music scene. So it's Devo is hard. It's like more of a performance art thing than an actual band mm-hmm. some like when you think about it like so i mean i wonder if they're too weird 
that here's the thing the rock and roll hall of fame it could go one of two ways either they're too out there or weird or they're like oh we like that out there weird artsy shit mm-hmm. they got a chance as good a chance as any uh there's some in here that i don't think have a chance in hell and i don't think devo is one of them right we're gonna get to some of the ones i'm like eh, i don't think so yeah in a minute here but uh yeah i think devo they had five albums that were that were strong they were one of the first bands on mtv heavy rotation you know obviously whip it like you said everybody knows those red hats that they had that were fucking weird. And to me, I think that they have a chance kind of because at the time when they came out, they were like, they kind of represented New Wave. Like, we didn't know what New Wave was. They'd given us this thing, New Wave. And if you saw, like, New Wave, you could definitely see a picture of Devo right there, you know, or some band that was weird looking like that. So um, I kind of think they represent New Wave. They might have a chance to, uh, they were definitely unique and had their own thing. So, uh, yeah, I think they have a chance. I'm not a fan either way, so I'm not, I don't have no rooting interest in it, but I would say they have a solid chance. Next on the list is not Liv Tyler's dad, Todd Rundgren. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, if you didn't say it, I was like, he's (laughs) Todd Rundgren. Still ain't Liv Tyler's dad. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. And he's also said he doesn't give a fuck if he gets in. He, he talked all kinds of shit about it. So I think that's going to put him on the not going to get in list because he's already not gotten in. And he talked a lot of shit. So I don't know. Maybe not. Looking back at his music, every time I hear Todd Rundgren, I have to go back and look. And see what his songs are. And uh, he's got like the songs, um, Hello, It's Me, I Saw the Light, Can We Still Be Friends? And I'm like, oh yeah, I know those songs. And I didn't know that that was him.
but he was he had a lot of hits to me like i say that's not exactly like rock or heavy music or anything but i guess he was kind of a heavy guy and he was into like psychedelics and he was into a lot of shit like that so he met a lot of people and he um produced a lot of shit he produced a new york dolls first album he produced some albums for grand funk a hollow notes album he produced bad out of hell for meatloaf cheap trick albums the tubes and uh and wrote a lot of songs almost to the point where they were calling him the male carol king so we got all kinds of tie-ins going on in this fucking one. To me, I, I'm not a fan of, of his music, really. I'm really not that big of a fan of any of the bands he produced. But he did a lot of shit, and he's one of those guys who's like a musician's musician. Like, all the other musicians seem to like his ass. So, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is his year. Maybe it ain't. I'm not emotionally invested one way or the other. Yeah. I I just think it's going to be funny if every year we have to talk about how he's not lived Tyler's dad. Right. If they keep doing this shit and just uh, nominate him but don't put him in. Another funny thing is that uh, Liv Tyler's mom is the Bebe Buell. And she's another one that was not quite at the level of uh, Pamela DeBar. But she was also one of them, you know, groupie types that that uh, super groupies, super groupies that got got quite around with the uh, which is why there was probably the paternity mix up of uh, probably could have been somebody else's too. She also dated Mick Jagger, Iggy Pop, David Bowie, Elvis Costello, Jimmy Page and Steven and uh, Steven Tyler and Todd Rundgren. So, you know. Uh, she could have easily been Jimmy Page's kid or something. Yeah, that's a trip, though. Like, the fact that these dudes all were like... I don't know, man. That always grossed me out when everybody's just fucking the same people. Like, <laughs> I think it was different in the 70s. Like, nowadays... Because, you know what? I don't think that uh, mentality of... Well, if you slept with someone, then you slept with everyone they slept with. I don't think that mentality happened until after AIDS, right? So before that, yeah. people probably didn't think of it in those terms, you know, and then just like, hey, have you hear about this chick? She's fucking fun as shit. You should fucking check her out. Or, you know, I think that was more of the mentality back in those days. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a prude. I don't give a shit how many chicks a girl I've been with is, uh, how many dudes a girl i've been with has been with type of thing or chicks i just don't want them all in my general vicinity <laughs> all the time yeah like i don't want it to be like all the dudes i know type of right thing. that's where it gets right. a little weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure all right so todd rundgren i don't know uh probably i would say probably not probably not because he he didn't get in before and then he talked some more shit so, yeah. yeah, probably not. I feel like we're about to hit the probably not portion of the rest of this list, so. <laughs> well, you know, I would think so, too, but past history has told us that maybe not so fast because, like you said, yeah, we're hitting the uh, R&B slash hip-hop uh, section, which um, Mary J. Blige first... Ooh. 
And these numbers really fuck me up because I had no idea. I mean, obviously, I know who Mary J. Blige is, but I had no idea she sold 80 million records. I had no idea she had nine Grammys. You know, she's in the hip hop world. She's in the R&B world. Um, she can act. I don't know if you if you uh, checked out that Umbrella Society show. It's a pretty cool show. It's kind of uh, like Stranger Things. And she plays a hitman in that motherfucker. She's good in it. So, uh, yeah, man, she's multi-talented. Again, not rock and roll for me at all. But there are other people from the hip-hop, R&B genres that are in. So, probably not. On her first nomination, probably not. But maybe. Because they've been known to do shit like that before. Well, here's here's why I'm in the uh, probably not for the next several mm-hmm. is because I feel like because I don't know how like I said I don't exactly know how the voting process goes for these actual dudes and how many votes they get to dish out mm-hmm. and you know so like you said six get in I feel like now it's probably fucked up that I feel like this and I feel like it's fucked up that it's probably a thing. But I feel like Mary J. Blige, Jay-Z, and LL Cool J kind of split up votes type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And where they, I feel like they got to be, they're like, oh, we got to get one person from like the hip-hop R&B world in. Mm-hmm. But then the, we got, you know, a few on at once. Usually it's just like the one dude. Like usually it's just, just Tupac, just Biggie, right. that kind of thing. And I feel like that could actually work against them. Yeah, I, I'm not a big, like, I never really listened to her, obviously, so I didn't even, like, yeah, surprise me that she sold 80 million fucking albums. And <laughs> right, right, yeah. Because that ain't the world that I'm I'm from. That's not, like, the, the circles I travel in. That's not, like, I couldn't name a Barry J. Blige song off the top of my head. Right. Um, yeah, you know, and, and since we are kind of grouping them together... Oh, fuck, we're racist sounding right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Says we're segregating our lists. <laughs> yeah. I would say that definitely, I mean, you know, Jay-Z, Jay-Z is a, is a huge rapper, one of the best-selling rappers of all time. Again, I, I'm not an East Coast guy other than a, a couple of things, you know, I like Wu-Tang, I like Nas, but really I'm not that much of an East Coast guy, so I'm not really that into Jay-Z. If I could pick one out of these three to go, I would pick LL Cool J because Same. yeah, because to me he, he's like an originator. He is type. He's thing. an originator. He's a pioneer. He also made you know made his own style with you know the female friendly rap style. Um, obviously, sold a lot of records that way. And early on in the days that with when he was with Def Jam, they actually had rock elements in the music. So, to me, uh, puts it a little bit closer. And he's been more relevant for a longer time. And the fact really is that if, if he put out a rap album this year, it would be relevant still. Yeah. Because he's fucking LL Cool J. So, uh, yeah, if I, if I had to pick one, I would, I would go with him probably. I mean, the fact that he's, you know, he went from, like, the B-boy days of, of rap to, you know, mm-hmm. was selling records all through like the 90s and shit like that mm-hmm. and he's still like you said he's still a name he's still considered relevant um you know it's funny like you said though he, he's like the 
the you know women friendly rap in some ways but like whenever i think of ll cool j i think of i'm gonna knock you out come on man So he mm-hmm. had that edge to him too. I don't, you know, but he was like a good, he's a good looking dude. So he was mm-hmm. able to kind of get that. But yeah, I mean, he, he's one of those dudes too, where, um, he comes from that time before there was that East coast versus West coast mm-hmm. where rap was mostly East coast and mostly New York centric. Right. So it's kind of funny. Cause like, I like the early, early shit where it's just all dudes out of Brooklyn and Hollis and shit mm-hmm. like that. And then you got, you know, and then when it became an East Coast, West Coast thing, I started preferring the West Coast shit because, you know, that's from where I'm from. Right. So it's like I like early rap with, you know, like I do like LL Cool J and Run DMC Mm -hmm. and dudes like that. And then I like the the West Coast stuff that popped up later. So he's in my wheelhouse. Uh, I've never really liked Jay-Z that much. So it's just kind of like, I don't, I mean, I know he's a mega producer, he's a mega star, he's fucking rich as fuck, and he, right. you know, he got to marry Beyonce and all that. Yeah. Now, also, too, will the event organizers be thinking, oh, we could get Beyonce in the house, we got to do this. You know, is that going to yeah. be a consideration? I don't know. It could be. I wouldn't be too surprised. All right. And we're down to our last two on the list. and. This uh, second to the last one, to me, I don't see how it could be that they would get in. But the precedents of the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame tell me that there's a real good chance that they'll get in. And that's the New York Dolls. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I say that is because the Sex Pistols are in. (laughs) You know, and the Sex Pistols made one record. uh, Influential as fuck. Name recognition like a motherfucker, reputation like a motherfucker, and the band couldn't really play that great, but the album, you know, did enough to to be a blockbuster of sorts for that genre at that time. And that's almost exactly what the New York Dolls were, but in the United States.
as opposed to in the UK. Yeah, I mean, then you got, uh, you know, you got, you know, groups like the Velvet Underground that got in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, the New York Dolls are uh, kind of lumped in with that early punk rock scene also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's, you know, I could totally see it. Um, yeah. Now, there's a lot of bands that we like or, you know, have some um, liking for that often mention the New York Dolls when they talk about, you know, their influences. Kiss talks about New York Dolls. Poison talks about New York Dolls. Other glam bands, you know, um, other punk bands talk about the New York Dolls as being, you know, kind of their, um, where they wanted to be, you know, glam, but also kind of street and whatever. It was a, it was a prototype for stuff that would come later. Oh, yeah. If you look at like a, you know, a picture of the New York Dolls from back in the day, it looks like, you know... It looks like it could have been like an alternate reality, like Motley Crue or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're influential. That, and like you said, when you bring up Kiss, um, they talked about them being influential. And when you look at that early Kiss and look at the New York Dolls, you can see why mm-hmm. they had to come up with these characters. As they said, a lot of people are writing them off as a New York Dolls knockoffs. Now, I've never really listened to them all that much. And then you have, you know, David Johansson, who went off and did that weird Buster Point Dexter shit, where yeah. like what he said, feeling hot, hot, hot and shit. So right. it's like that dude's a weird yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he was one of the ghosts in uh, Scrooged. Yeah, yeah, he, he's yeah, he did some weird shit. He's a trippy character. So you know, I can see it because they're they're in, they're very influential in that scene. And when you already got a couple of you already got a couple bands from that scene. That mm-hmm. got in, right? Um, where although the Sex Pistols were, you know, from you know England, but they're like that early punk rock. Mm-hmm. That could also work against them. It's like, well, we already got kind of like dudes like you know, Velvet Underground and mm-hmm. shit like that. But you know, at least they got a couple albums to their belt. You know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they were a little bit, they were stronger musicians than the Sex Pistols were. Or other punk bands of the time, they weren't great, but, you know, they were okay. Johnny Thunders was decent. They had their own uh, kind of a sound. So, like, yeah, like you say, I wasn't a fan. It was before my days, but, um, but yeah, you know, it, it would be a trip. I wonder if they would play, if, who, who would play if they, if, they, uh, if they did get in. It would be interesting. There's a million fucking past members for the band, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, Blackie Lawless was in it for a minute. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. That makes sense, though. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but it's a trip. Yeah, let's see. Uh, let me, I'm, oh, shit. Blackie Lawless, okay. That's the thing. When he finally got big with Wasp, that was when he'd been doing shit for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Blackie Lawless was in the New York Dolls in, uh, 75. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh shit that's crazy that's yeah crazy. no he was a bit yeah he was a little bit older than some of those other dudes from that uh sunset strip scene when uh he blew up because yeah. blackie lawless was born in 56 oh so. <laughs> yeah no i knew he was old and you could kind of tell he was old at the time but again with the makeup and that was another thing that the makeup actually helped you know bands like wasp obviously kiss you know 
with it kind of does hide your age to a certain fucking extent so yeah man but yeah i didn't know that so in a sense um blackie lawless was kind of i was gonna say new york dolls would have been an influence on wasp but in fact not really he it just he was part of it part of both things Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's wild. Like, yeah, because I was flipping through that, I was like, "Yo, oh, that's a uh, when did he do that?" And I'm like, "Oh shit, that was like ten years before <laughs> he Man, was doing crazy. shit and wasp." That's crazy. So, so he was one of those who was like, "Fucking band I was in before made it. Now I gotta fucking make it. I'm not giving up until I do." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Okay, and the last nominee for this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Kate Bush. Now, Kate Bush is a fucking weird fucking thing because it just so happens that we watched uh, some weird thing called uh, Greatest Hits, some show called Greatest Hits that was on a few years back, and, uh, and it concentrates on certain eras, and she was on there because I guess she had a lot of hits in the late 70s, and her music was just fucking weird. Like, it didn't really have no kind of a genre it wasn't rock at all but somehow she was discovered by david gilmore and he like took her to the record company and was like oh yeah you guys gotta sign this chick and whatever whatever and so and i was like looking at her and it was like not even one of those things where some rock star found some chick that was so hot that he just took her to try to get her signed kind of like prince did with carmen electra or whatever yeah um <laughs> But it wasn't like that. It wasn't like they weren't involved. And it was just like weird that that he liked her music that much because I just don't see it. I don't hear it. But again, I wasn't around at that time to know what was what sounded cool at that time. But evidently, she sounded cool to a lot of people because she sold a shitload of fucking records. She had a lot of number ones in England. And she and David Gilmore thought she was a shit. So as little as I would think she would have a chance to get in to any Hall of Fame, who knows? Because like I say, yeah. when, when, I, when I don't get it at this level, then who knows? She might could totally get in because I might have just missed the whole boat. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things. We can't base, uh, we can't really base too much off, uh, you know, who we who gets in off of who we know because right you know. <laughs> right because there's like we just found out that mary j blige sold 80 million albums yeah like today yeah <laughs> so um and then we accidentally segregated all the black uh, half the black people on the list <laughs> so now uh, cancel culture is gonna get us yeah right right when we got our five thousand download wow yeah sticker. we we hit our milestone we, it, it's like we got we hit paper status or something yeah, that doesn't mean, yeah, that wasn't like per episode. That's yeah, no, combined. Yeah, it's all of it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? There's people that have done, I'm sure there's people that have done, you know, podcasts longer than us that didn't get do that. And they're just right. talking to themselves for no reason. So that's cool that yeah. we got enough people that gave it a shot and wanted to listen to us a little bit. Um, you know, totally. You know, it's. I, you know, they're not very, the people that listen to us aren't exactly very interactive. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, yeah. I don't it's know, like, nobody's sending us emails. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I, it sucks that uh, when this gets out, you're going to have to post it and everything because I got myself banned from Facebook oh, yeah. for 30 days. Yeah. For calling a, a 
San Diego comedian a dumb cunt. Turns out uh, they automatically flag when you drop the C word on people. Yeah. Uh, whether or not you're using it in the British sense. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and and that's funny because to me, it's like, it's like, okay, you could say bitch, but you can't say cunt. Okay. Why? You know, that's, yeah. that's weird. You know, um, I got a, I got a ban for saying beaner. Which I thought I had a natural right to, but I guess I don't. So, you know, <laughs> it's like shit. I got called that enough. Yeah, like, exactly. So <laughs> I feel like I get that word now. So it's funny that how it seems kind of fucking, you know, okay, the, this is where you draw the line or whatever. But I guess, yeah, I guess that's it. So now you know, no more cunts. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've gotten a, I've gotten a couple of days suspension for making fun of white people before. So right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's... Like I think I jokingly just to see if it would tell me, just be like, I don't like white people, and yep. that's like, <laughs> yep. Come on, man, you guys need to lighten up. When I, I am a white people. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I put that. Uh, you know, I actually said that on um, because I guess on one of our Van Halen sites. Somebody was banging on um, Wolfgang because he's fat, you know, or whatever. And, you know, so my response to that was like, totally, uh, Wolfie seems cool, you know. He doesn't even need this shit because his ends are meeting like a motherfucker. He doesn't need to do this shit. And I said, so, yeah, he doesn't need all these motherfuckers talking shit. Then again, if his goal (laughs) is to be a rock star, then he should know that the list of fat rock stars is relatively short and i can say that because i'm a fat guy you know and basically kind of got out of the rock game as soon as i started getting fat and old for those very reasons hey it is what it is uh it's a it's a stupid shitty thing to say obviously and it's a hater thing to say but it's not without its truth yeah i mean i'm just saying the facebook you know they need to maybe calm down every once in a while when it's like you're making fun of your own yeah you know like if we're gonna start banning people for using slurs that your own people have retaken like little wayne doesn't get to post ever again yeah 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 (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) yeah richard Pryor would have never fucking got yeah Oh man! All right, so uh, so that's it for the nominees. I guess I'm not sure when they vote or when when it happens, but I you know time is flying by, so we'll know pretty soon. And uh, yeah, what are we doing next? Uh, we haven't decided anything yet. We uh, we're gonna have another riffs episode coming up. I'm thinking I'm thinking more albums episodes. I don't know. Maybe we'll get some feedback on that if we put it out there. But I liked uh, the Van Halen episode, and I think maybe like you know, uh, maybe like a British Steel episode or a Number of the Beast episode, something like that. You know, uh, I would be down for those kind of things too. Oh, for sure. Yep. All right, so we'll figure that out, and then we'll get back with you guys on that on the next one. And until then, this is me, Big Frog, me, Mike Castleberry, and we are out.
simple.